I want to just welcome everybody that's watching via the internet. Uh, you know, we've had a wonderful time. Last, last Sunday we didn't put a message up. Uh, we've been to Lesotho, uh, actually the border of Lesotho to Vepener, and uh, we've had a wonderful time. Uh, on the way there we lost two tires. And you know, <laughs> you know when, you, when the one tire goes flat, you put the spare on. Okay, and then when the spare loses its, you know, the, the loop, the thread, yeah. And you go at 20 k's an hour, you know, on the N1 at night. You know, it's not nice. You know, so <laughs> well, we, we had a little bit of trouble, but what was nice about the whole thing is I, I knew it wasn't God testing me <laughs> by breaking my tires. <laughs> you know, or the devil's attack. You know, uh, you know I, I don't drive a lot with my Pajero, so the tire is seven years old. You know, an old age attacked the tire. <laughs> That's what happened. As it attacks um, some of us. You know, so, um, and, uh, so, well, anyway, so we, we got new tires and I could go and visit my sister in Bloemfontein. We didn't go straight, we went to Bloom because that's, you know, in the middle of the Karoo, you don't find tires for a Pajero. <laughs> it's just not there. So we had to buy the wrong size tire to get to Bloemfontein. <laughs> so, and I couldn't just buy one because the diff would, would break, so I had to buy two. So now I'm forced to build a trailer, you know, <laughs> to use those tires, you know, so that's just like the way, the way it is. But uh, we, we got there and uh, we were part of the, the feeding project. Um, we gave the clothes and next Sunday we will have a video, um, which we've edited, just showing you what we've done. And uh, what, what really blessed me was when we went out to... Um, into Lesotho, you know, after giving out the food, there was a lady that runs the feeding project in Lesotho. She actually just cooks the food and at her house. And uh, she asked Elena and I if we wouldn't go just from house to house praying for people. And uh, I mean, I used to do that a lot in the early days. And uh, so when I went in there and you just smell the kerosene they burn in the house, you know, just brought back those old memories. And the first thing that came up in my heart is, man, I need to pray for the sick, you know. I want to lay hands on the sick, and, and, and because that's what we did all the time. And just ministering the gospel to those people, praying for sick people, and, and just getting in touch again with people that are poor. You know, um, concerning money, you know, they don't have stuff. A lady that's, I think she's 98, sleeping on the ground. You know, uh, we went and prayed for another lady who's got HIV AIDS. You can just see, you know, she's, she's a week from dying. And um, just to bring the comfort of if they got healed or not, it's not to what was the end goal. The end goal was to bring the comfort of the gospel to, to them, you know. And I do believe, you know, we prayed for people and we could see immediate effect, <laughs> you know, in their lives of, of just of the power of God touching people. Um, but what touched me was, especially the one lady that I could minister to that was, um, she had a stroke and uh, you could see she really had difficulty. She, she had to, you know, she couldn't move her one arm, you know, she had to move it with the other hand. And uh, just to say to her that this didn't happen to you because you did something wrong. You know, it's, this is not a sign of separation between you and God. Because God came and declared His union with man, not in your, the fact that you healed or not, but in Jesus Christ seated in heaven. 
and we can from that perspective pray for you and we can we can see healing but to say I want to just say to you that this is not your wrong that you got this you've got a God that sees your need and wants to comfort you and I could just see tears coming to her eyes you know and just to bring that comfort and that really really blessed me you know to minister this truth and this is what Paul said um, uh, as well in Philemon he says acknowledge he says let your heart and I'm going to use my own words be established in this good news by acknowledging sharing the good that is in your life you know I found that you become so skilled in the gospel when you share the gospel it's, this, it's, 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 it's not a truth, uh, a super spiritual truth. It's just a truth in anything, you know. If you, even in companies, if you want to teach somebody something, you've got this principle. I teach you, then I show you. Then I will stand with you, and then you do it. And you show me. And when you do it, in the doing, in the sharing of it, you, you, you get skilled in this. And it was just so nice to go out there and... Um, and just share the gospel. Thank you for everybody that's um, helped sponsor this. People that gave money to it. Thank you so much. People that gave via the web. Uh, God bless you guys. Right. Um, you know, while we're worshipping, I was uh, thinking of this version. Today I'm going to talk a bit about how God helps us to have faith. Uh, God helps you to have faith. God, faith is not God's daily test for mankind. You know, wherein he, uh, he's developed the system called faith. And now every day he checks as if you've had enough faith so that he could release some blessing towards you. Um, faith is something completely different. And God's desire is for you to have faith. And he does everything uh, possible from God's side to bring forth faith in you. And we're going to talk about that. But before that, during the worship, I was thinking of this verse, verse in uh, John uh, 17 when um, we're singing about the name of Jesus your name it says and now I am no more in this world this is Jesus prayer for us but these are in the world and I come to you Holy Father keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are one so he says your father I want you to keep these people through your name so the father has got a name and he said Father, keep these people through your name. Now think about that. What does that mean? And this is, this is great. And he says here that if you basically can keep them by your name, they will be in union as what we are in union. So how does God, the Father, keep you through his name? The first thing you need to know is what his name is. And his name was declared in Exodus 34. Where, where, where God came and says, I will declare my name unto you. I will explain to you my name. And this is what the name of God is. I am gracious. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. Long-suffering. Abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. So what Jesus was basically saying, he was saying, and, and this is wonderful, if you read John carefully, you will see in his prayer, he's very specific. He says, Father, I've kept your name, but now I want you to keep them by your name. So in other words, I've kept your name. I came and I demonstrated your name to people. You know, when you name something, a car, it's because... It speaks about a vehicle that can take a thing 
a person or something from one place to another place. You name it describing what it is. In the same way, Jesus said, I have kept your name, I've kept your description. And he revealed who the Father was by being merciful, being influential, influencing man by loving man, by showing loving kindness, by showing mercy, by showing all these things all the time, by treating people according to their value. And that is how God keeps us. God keeps people through His name. So the only way you can be kept in the gospel and not, you know, what we traditionally call backslide, you know, is by the name of the Father. So how will God keep you? By continually being good to you. That's how, that's how He got you. How do you keep your wife? <laughs> Very simple. Keep on being good to her. As you were when you saw her the first time. That's how you keep her. And the Lord said this to me years ago. He says, Bertie, the way you got the ministry is the way you'll keep the ministry. You got this effortlessly by simply following the passion in your heart. And that's how you're going to keep it. You're not going to get it in a very simple way and then you're going to implement a big method and system to govern it, which will kill people. No, no, you're going to keep it the way you got it. The way God got you was by having a desire to share His quality of life with you. And that's not going to change. He's going to keep you by His name. <laughs> So make sure, you know, that, we don't, that, that you don't get to a place where you want... I mean, God will always broadcast on channel love and acceptance and you are good enough and it is for free. He broadcasts on that channel. Let's keep our radio tuned to that channel. Because that's how He will keep you. I remember the day, you know, when I first heard the gospel and I received Jesus. I was so excited. How do you stay excited? By just hearing the same message that you heard in the beginning. What made me excited? I remember Jan David preached. He says, listen, you don't have to be a normal Christian that's sour and all those kind of things. You can be a dynamic Christian that's full of life because God loves you and He's forgiven your sins and He's taken away your guilt. And you are accepted by Him. Don't you want to accept Him? That, that was what this message was all about. And I said yes, and that caused great excitement, great evangelism to burst forth in my heart, effortless. And if you want to have that continual joy, just stay in that message. Amen. The Bible says, fight the... Uh, um, talks about fighting the good fight of faith and you know I've, I've tried to fight the fight of faith you know for many years trying to work up my faith in believing that I'm going to have some breakthrough today it's like Jan over here you know he, he likes to play jokes on me every now and then he comes from Malmesbury and uh, so uh, he, I put the picture pictures of my trip to Lesotho on Facebook and there was one about the tire and then he says I must push through. What did you say? 
press in. I must press in for my breakthrough. <laughs> Knowing, you know, <laughs> you'll upset me with such an encouragement. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, <laughs> because I'm not going to press through for any breakthrough. Jesus broke through the heavens. Amen. And He is the door, the way into the heavens. You know, that was opened for us. So we don't have to break through, push through. any of. Don't break anything. Jesus came to restore. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> so, um, when it comes to faith, you know, I was thinking of, how am I going to today have enough faith to activate God? And, uh, you know, I was thinking of things like, uh, that was written to Timothy, and I'm going to read it. It says in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 and 12, Fight the good fight of faith. This is the title. But as of you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life. So what he says to Timothy here, he says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. What does that mean? Paul goes on even in 2 Timothy and he says, For I am um, already being poured out as a drink offering. Paul talks about um, his departure. He says, And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Listen, listen what it is. I have kept the faith. So fighting the good fight of faith is to keep on believing the in the simplicity of the gospel. Amen. That's the good fight, okay? The good fight, and, and I like about a good fight, it's not a bad fight, it's a good fight. In other words, there is in this world things that wants to take us away from the simplicity of the gospel. And he says to Timothy, basically, to keep believing this simple truth. Now, if I say to my, my, my son, my son, you know, we're going to put up the sound today for the first time. We're hooking everything up. Oh yeah, by the way, I forgot to apologize. Tomorrow, not tomorrow, Sunday, we will have the projector working. <clears throat> it was just because of my, you know, bad reading and not reading in detail that I didn't bring it today. Okay, so anyway, um, you know, if I ask them to, to, to set this up, you know, and I know they don't exactly know how, what am I going to do? I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them to set this up. And whenever I see them struggle, even if Henry has done that camera, I don't know how many times, when he struggles to set the light meter, what will I do? The moment I see he struggles, I help him. And the very, in the very same way it is with faith. Whenever God sees that you struggle to have faith, He comes to help you to have faith. Yeah. You know, the, the, if I ask Henry to do the camera work, that is not his test, you know, by which I judge if he will continue to be my son. No. The, the, you, I, I want him to share in this ministry and in this life. I want him to share in how it feels to do something, you know, from a passionate heart and to see the effect of it in people's lives. And I just want him to help. Just to love in this world, I want him to be part of that. And if I see his struggles, I help him. This is not a test. In the very same way with faith. Faith is how God functions. The Father is persuaded of who the Son is. The Son is persuaded of who the Father is. And that is the highest quality of life. Faith is the foundation from where we will have eternal 
life. Okay? God wants us to have eternal life. Let me explain this. Let's, let's go to marriage. Let's talk about a high quality marriage. A high quality marriage cannot be defined outside of two people believing in each other. It is impossible. The foundation of a high quality marriage is faith. The one believes in the other one. The one is not just believing that the other one will do something, but the person is so much revealed to the other one that his mind goes to rest at this wonderful integrity and beauty that is portrayed. And that is called faith and persuasion. Okay, so this faith or this persuasion or this resting of the mind is the foundation from where we will have this absolute quality of marriage. Unless I trust you and you guys trust me, we cannot have quality of fellowship here. In the and the reason why it's like that is very simple. It's because we are the God kind. And I've, I've preached on this so many times. We are the God kind and God invited man to share in his quality of life which is called eternal life. You know, when the Bible talks about eternal death or condemnation, you know, life and death must not be seen as um, ceasing to exist. We will all live forever. Okay, all will live forever. One will live forever in life and one will live forever in death. And this life and this death is defined in God's quality of life based on God's principle or another principle. The principle of life is this. The Bible says by faith, and, and let me explain God's principle of life. This is God's principle of life. He has got life. Then he takes this life and he gives it to you as a gift. And then you share in his quality of life. His quality of life is based on the following. You need to have a person with a wonderful good personality. This personality will inspire belief. And as you believe believe in this wonderful person, he will influence you to experience his person. That is God's kingdom principle. I hope you understand that. You know, so in marriage it's like that. In any relationship it's like that. You, before you can have a quality relationship, the best way for me, the best way for me to raise my kids is the following. I need to have, before they can be good kids, is I need to be a good person, a good father. Then the good father will love his child. And as his child grows up and starts to believe and trust the father, you will find that my opinion and my way of doing things are formed in him. And then as, it is, as who I am is formed in him, he is sharing in my life. That is God's kingdom. Then there's another kingdom which says, I need none of this. I will create a good life by my own effort. Mm. Now, you can either forever live in that or forever live in God inspiring you. And that is called eternal life. So God wants us to believe in Him so that we through that belief can find Him 
forming His life in us, and so we are partakers of eternal life. Glory to God. I hope this is not too complicated. Let me read uh, John 10. It says, It says, If I am not working the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if, if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So what he says here, it sounds complicated, but this is really an, a very, uh, uh, this prayer of Jesus in John 7, he talks about the very heart of Jesus. It's, it's the way he had relationship with the Father. He says, listen, and just before that, he spoke to the to the to the um, to the, the Pharisees. He says, "I want you to believe. I want you to believe in me, even if you don't believe because I'm saying it. But you look at the works. Just believe, because if you can believe that I am sent from God, then you will see." The Father working in me, and you will have this revelation that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And that is basically what Jesus wants us to believe. You know, if we say we live by faith, okay, what, what faith? What do we believe? And Jesus came and He described what He wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that the Father is in Jesus, and that Jesus is in the Father, and then He wants us to believe... He, he wants us to believe that Jesus came as the Son of Man, the representative of mankind, of every human being. And what that means is that if the Father and Jesus are one, and we and Jesus are one, then we will understand that we are one with God and that there is no separation between us and God. And from that belief we will find who God is manifest in our life. And that's how we experience eternal life. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, if the key is, if, if I'm here and I look at my child and I want my child to have my quality of life and I see his struggles because the basic key, if, if I look at my life, practical my life, what gives me true peace? It's belief in Jesus. You know, access to his life, this revelation of grace, that is the foundation of all my peace. Now if I look at my sons and I look at him studying, let's take Aubrey for instance here, I look at him studying and I see he's doing good at school and I look at all the things and I look at the way he, he deals with his friends and everything, then I, I look at all of that and I make a judgment about him. And this is the judgment I make. What does he believe? I want to know what does he believe? I don't care what his marks in school is. I don't care how many friends he has. I don't care how many girls like him. I don't care if he plays for the first hockey team. It's all good. But what I care about is what does he believe? And when I see his belief is pushed towards I am what I do, then I come and help him. To believe that you are not what you do. Amen. Th that's how I raise my child. 
He always needs to believe that he is what God says he is, that he is one with God. God is one with him. That's what you teach your child. You look at his belief. And then I will come and I will say, my son, let me explain something to you. Look at our life. You know, and I will use different analogies. Look at our life. Look at the way we live. Look at your friend's life. Look at, look at how they live. You know, do we have peace the way we live? Yes, Dad, we've got a wonderful life. This is found in this truth. That we are not defined by what we do. In this life, how much money we have, where we stay, whatever. And the fruit of that is really a life that even in this world that others envy. Glory to God. And I help him to believe the right thing. So, whenever you think of faith, never think of faith as a hurdle you need to get over to get into blessings. It might sound like it when you read the Bible. If you believe, you will have eternal life. That's what Jesus said. But he didn't say, if you believe as something you must do, where he's separated from you. No, no, faith comes by the Logos, by the Word. Faith comes by Jesus. Jesus being involved in your life brings forth faith. Glory to God. It brings forth a persuasion of who he is. It brings forth a persuasion of who you are. And faith, this is what God wants you to believe, that Jesus and the Father is one. And you and Jesus, you are one. Glory to God. Amen. So Jesus will always be involved in helping you to believe. Listen to this, talking about eternal life. He says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent so what is eternal life? eternal life is to know the Father and to know Jesus so he says, listen to what he says he says, Father, you have given me authority over all flesh in other words, I am the representative of all human flesh if I say Flesh is holy, flesh will be holy. Like Robert Mugabe is the representative of Zimbabwe. What he says is what Zimbabwe is under. Because all authority over Zimbabwe wasn't given to him, he took. Okay? But that's now, we don't care how he got it, but he's got it. In the same way, Jesus says, all authority over flesh is given to me. So, glorify me. Because if you can glorify me, then these shall be glorified. And then they will know you. And that would know, is, is, and I went and studied out in, um, the Hebrews didn't say, see the word know as knowledge. One of the meanings of know there was sexual intimacy. It talked about union. It talked about becoming one. It's where it says, and the husband shall leave his, his family and become one with his wife. And the Bible says, Adam knew Eve, and then they had children. 
That's the word know there. Uh, experiential knowledge of complete union. So he says here, this is eternal life. To be one with God as a husband and wife is one flesh, we become one with God. So in other words, any doctrine and any teaching wherein you are declared as separate from God, not Christ in you, you in Him, is stealing eternal life from you and can never lead you to eternal life. Because this is eternal life, to know, as a husband knows his wife, the father and the son. And the only way that can happen is if Jesus is glorified in human flesh, that we even, at the end, in his return, can know the father to the point that we have, because we have an immortal body. Because we can feel how it feels to have his body which is the body of Jesus. So when we study scripture, when we think of God, God's main goal is to get you to be persuaded of your union with Him, not your distance. You already attained union in the glorification that came through Jesus Christ. It says in John 17 verse 22, it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, and that, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may, so, sorry, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you loved, loved them even as you loved me. So here it says here, it says, in this translation, may become perfectly one, but it says that they may become perfect. It says, I have given them my glory. In other words, the glory that talks about the relationship between the Father and the Son. I have placed them in my level by becoming a human. And when I did that, this is what I did. I perfected them. Amen. I perfected them. And when God perfected you in Christ, your belief of this truth makes you experience what it is to be perfect. And that is what it talks about faith. That's why it says through faith we've got access into grace. In other words, I get persuaded of what? Of my union with Him. Not of my distance, of my union. There was nothing as nice as going to the woman that was, had, had the stroke and share with her how God became a man. And how that perf brought perfection to mankind. And then to see how she's got access to that power by her persuasion of this truth. And I've seen, uh, you know, on, on the internet as well, that there's a big, um, people are very antagonistic to faith. You know, because we've been so abused with the word faith, that now we want to say, you don't need faith. It's a lie. If you say you don't need faith to experience eternal life, I'm not talking about the faith Jesus has. I'm talking about faith in your heart. Okay, those that listen to me that knows the argument, you know, um, on, on, on the internet, 
Yes, Jesus believes on our behalf. There's something he does believe, believe about mankind. But unless you believe it in your heart, you cannot feel what Jesus feels and you cannot have his life. Simple. If my wife doesn't believe what I believe concerning our relationship, but she believes something else, she can never experience what I feel in my heart. Let's use this scenario. Say somebody comes and says that I've cheated on her. But I haven't. And I believe I have not cheated on her. Now I believe concerning our relationship, isn't it? I believe concerning me and her. I believe that there's never been any separation. I've never cheated. But if she believes the lie, she can never live my life. Because she doesn't believe it in her heart. Now I believe the truth. And so what's my job? My job is not to say, well I'm going to see if you believe the truth. And if you believe the truth, then I'll buy you a car. No, 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 no. My whole persuasion is I want her to have the peace I have that I've never done such a thing, that she is the number one in my life, and I will do anything possible to prove to her and show her and help faith along in her heart so that she can now have access through that persuasion to the peace that's in my heart. Glory to God. Let's end off with this verse. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with when Jesus came. So, other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, uh, his hands, the mark of his nails, and place my finger into the mark of his nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were in, uh, inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put your hand in the place in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Amen. Look what Jesus did. Here Thomas comes. He did not believe. He was doubting Thomas. And here, what does is, what is Jesus come? Does he wring his neck? No. He comes, and he didn't say, Oh, hallelujah, I caught one not believing, so I can fry him. <laughs> No, he was not there to kill anybody. Even when the people in Samaria didn't want Jesus to walk through their city. Then the sons of thunder came and said, Shall we call fire from heaven like Elijah to destroy these people that don't want you to go through their city? They're rejecting you. What did Jesus say? He says, Listen, you don't know what spirit you are of. You think you are, you've got the spirit of Elijah. You don't have the spirit of Elijah. You now have the spirit of God. You know Elijah, I think it was Elijah, Elijah, Elijah didn't have hair. So the kids mocked him. He cursed them. The bears ate them. You don't want the spirit of Elijah. 
You might go to jail for it. You want the Spirit of God. Amen. You, you want, Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you are of. I have not come to destroy man's lives, but to save man. That's who he is. So when you are in unbelief, you can go like the person that went to Jesus when Jesus said, do you believe? He said, Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus did still, he still get, got the miracle. So Jesus could help a person in unbelief. And the way he's going to help your unbelief is by showing you more love. Because love produces faith. Amen. Produces trust, a rest of mind. Glory to God. So here, what happens with Thomas? He's doubting. Thomas said, unless this happened, I cannot believe. Then Jesus said, then let me meet you where you are. Because I want you to experience my quality of life. He went, goes on to say, blessed is he who believes without seeing. And we read Peter quote that later in one of his letters where he said, You have not even seen Christ, because yet you believed in Him. Blessed are you. You know? So, so we, we find that there's not this disappearing every day, but God will. He knows where your, he knows where your hurt is. He knows where your, where, your, where your unbelief is. And He is busy every day. Trying to convince you of who He is and who you are. And all that I want to say is if you ever go through a hard time, don't cut off. Rather say, you cut yourself off from saying, I'm not going to believe anymore. Rather say this, say, Father, I find a lot of unbelief in me. Help my unbelief. Amen. You know, Thomas never said, I refuse to believe in God. He said, I want to believe in Him. I want to see. I want to have this revelation. You know, but something needs to happen. He never put his, his finger in Jesus' hand. He never did that. But when he saw, he said, My Lord and my God. So we don't have to talk faith away. It's part of our godly inheritance. We've inherited the highest quality of life, which is a life based on persuasion. And Jesus is what we are persuaded of. His union with the Father and our union with Him. That's what we are persuaded of. Glory to God. And if we read on, I didn't put the verse in here, we will see Jesus, and this is a good way to end this, Jesus came and um, the, the, Peter said, I'm going to go fishing, and they all went fishing and they caught nothing that night. And then, as they were not too far from the shore, and then Jesus came and He said to them, did you catch anything? They said nothing. He says, put in the net on the other side. So in desperation they did it and they caught 153 fish. And then when they came out, Jesus said, give some of the fish. And nobody, they didn't ask him who he was. They didn't know it was Jesus, the Bible says. And then after catching the fish, Jesus already had some fish there and he fed them. And what's so significant about the, 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 the number 153, it's called a triangular number. It's not just any number. It's a very specific number. And it means many things. If you take the number 153, it, if you take the number 1 to 17, and you add 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5, it comes to 153. Um, if you also uh, uh, take the, the word, I am God, 
you know, in the Hebrew and you take the every numeric value of every letter and count them together, it's 153. I am God. And also the Passover is 153 if you count it together. So they knew, they also believed in that time that um, the, the, the uh, uh, 100, I said 153, I think they believed there was 153 nations. So what they believed in that time. So what was it sh showing? It was showing that God caught mankind <laughs> in the net. I am God and I caught mankind. And then the Bible says nobody asked him. You know, while they were eating, nobody asked him who he was for they knew it was the Lord. They first didn't know. <laughs> and they caught 153 fish and they knew this is God. You see how God helps our faith. Faith is not God's daily test to you. Faith is God's kind of a life and He did everything possible to restore persuasion in your heart that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you're one with Him, that He lives in you, that you live in Him. He came to restore that whole thing. And as we believe this, we find this truth manifesting in our lives. Amen, amen. amen. Let's close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you for your great love. I want to thank you that you've come to restore faith. I thank you, Lord, that faith is not the daily test we need to pass. But it's part of your being and our being. And thank you, Lord, that we can be persuaded of the right thing. I thank you, Father, that we can place ourselves in a place where we can easily have faith because we hear the right message all the time. I thank you, Lord, that you've kept us by your name and that you will continue to keep us by your name. And I thank you that you, Jesus, could say these words, my Father, that you shall not lose one. Meaning <laughs> that your goodness is so powerful that we can safely rest in your goodness. That we never have to be threatened. We never have to come to a place where we feel insecure. Where we think maybe this love thing is just too good and uh, there's another side to you, Father. But thank you that we are in Christ. And Christ is in us. And we are one with the Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Father, for that. Now, I just feel I want to pray for some sick people. You know, if you are watching via the internet or if you are here today, um, you know, you might be struggling with some things that's just been bogging you for such a long time. You know, and um, you've accepted it. You know, I, I just want to say this. You can be healed. It was so good for me just to see people being healed again. You know, when I was there going from house to house, seeing the miracles, not just hearing testimonies over the web, but just seeing people being healed. And it's the same for you. And you might say, but I don't want to get my hopes up. But what, what if it doesn't happen? Let God have all the hope. <laughs> you know, and you want to rest and let Him just bring it forth to you. Father, I want to thank you that the faith of Jesus was enough to bring forth healing to mankind. And we don't have to work up our faith to get healed. We just have small faith as a mustard seed. We just have the faith that says the faith of Jesus is enough. 
thank you Jesus that you made it possible by your faith that we can be healed and we are persuaded that your faith is enough and I come and I just bring healing in Jesus mighty name healing over skin disease healing over bad eyesight healing over over uh, uh, neck problems in the mighty name of Jesus Christ I just feel there's somebody watching via the internet that's got brain cancer in the name of Jesus Christ I, I bring healing to you in Jesus mighty name I bring that healing to you in the in the name of Jesus Christ and this cancer dies by the resurrection power of Christ and uh, you are now touched and healed in Jesus mighty name thank you father thank you father I also just feel in my heart somebody with a com continual ringing like a in the ear left ear is being healed in Jesus mighty name thank you father for that and thank you for the testimonies that will come in Jesus mighty name thank you I declare you healed and blessed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ thank you father thank you father for your great love and that you encourage us amen and amen thank you so much glory to God thank you for the worship it was awesome uh, those of you that want to give in the back over there um, you can you can give though please order the CDs if you want to give a CD to some friends please order some and dish it out amen